Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with the Cloud9 Podcast, keeping the series alive with our chief customer officers. Um, I got Connor Cox with me from Proposify. A little bit of a mouthful, but I, I, I got it right. Connor. Nailed it. Joining. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Happy to be here. So, so before we get going, I, I would always love uh, for, for our listeners to kind of get a little bit of a, a gist about something they uh, might not know about you from your LinkedIn profile. Tell us a little bit of a random fact that, that people would love to know about. A random fact. I don't know if people will love to know about it, but it's, it's definitely random. So before I got into SaaS and software, I was on my path to becoming a marine biologist and spent a couple summers filming eels uh, up in Nova Scotia. So not your typical start to a, a software career. No, that's probably a good conversation for a first date, right? When they ask you what you study. Oh, yeah, exactly. Marine biologist, they're like... Checkbox, right? Checkbox there. Talk to me about <laughs> North American eels, please. And I'm like, all day. I'm good. <laughs> nice. So, so we're, we're definitely in a little bit of a different era, right? Times have changed. Let's talk about like renewals and retention and how SaaS companies are adopting to the current crisis. But before we get into that, you know, a lot of our listeners, um, you know, to this podcast might want to know about your journey, right? Like what, what was your, your journey like to becoming a, a chief customer officer for a fast growing SaaS company? Yeah, so that's a great question. I'll instead of save, I'll save some of it for later, but we'll focus on like the last eight years. So I uh, came out of school, like I said, marine bio was the focus, ended up in an MBA and dropped out of that to start up with a small med tech company. So signed on as the first kind of full time employee there. Um, started really in a coordinator role. We were growing membership. So I was talking to a lot of physicians, asking them to sign up for a software product they'd never seen before. Once we reached critical mass, it kind of moved to sales. Like now we've got this network. How do we sell? Who do we sell to? How do we package that product? So moved into that role. And then after you make your first million in sales, you have to renew all of those customers so that the business can grow and just not go back to where we were. So that's when the CS career really started. And that's also when I really started to get involved with products. So I was there for four years, went from a coordinator up to the director of CS. Uh, From that group, I jumped into a fintech company that was looking to kind of pivot up market, go from advisors to selling to financial uh, in the credit union. So we went through an accelerator with Fidelity in Boston. In that role, I was leading the CS and the product team. So really, that's where I started to really kind of understand how product and CS work together and how closely knit those two teams needed to be. Uh, spent a couple of years there. And then the last move was to Proposify as a VP of CS about a year and a half ago. Uh, started with a really small team of three. Uh, we're up to a team of 19 now. Um, and at the start of the year, I got the promotion up to chief customer officer. And at that same time, we sort of took our support team and combined that to form what we call our customer team internally now. So that's sort of the, the eight years in about two minutes. Right. But I, I, so it takes time. It takes eight years and, and yeah. you, you paid your dues with some startups, right? Where nobody knew who you guys were, which is not exactly. easy. Lots of, lots of educating happening in the early days. A lot of educating. Sure. Um, so, so as a leader of customers, do you think that um, sales experience or is it support experience? What, what's, what's like the, 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 yeah. what's needed these days to be a chief customer officer? Is it, is it a little bit of both? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I'm speaking from our perspective. So we're, you know, an SMB SaaS company with 10,000 customers. MRR is ranging from $19 a month up to 4500 So when you're talking about a company like that, I really think both of them are important. Like a lot of my CSMs come from BD backgrounds. So they're used to talking commercial. They're used to talking product. 
Um, and a lot of the folks that work on our support team come from a more sort of technical background. They spend a lot of time in the weeds, but I think to be an effective leader, especially when you're working with both groups of people, it's important to have a good understanding of both of those things. You've got to be empathetic to the support team and what it takes to be in the weeds with customers, live chatting, solving problems on the fly. But you've also got to understand the commercial side of the business and how to interface with sales. So I think it's a good mix of both that makes you the most effective. Yeah. And I think, and I think it's important too to just have an appreciation for product as well. Like not that you need to be a developer or understand, you know, the ins and outs of code, but you've really got to appreciate how they build things and the process that they need to go through to make an effective product. So I think those three things kind of play together to make you, you know, as effective as possible in that type of position. Changing role, it's dynamic for sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'd love, I'd love to learn about maybe, you know, your, your first, you know, obviously customers are all about renewals, right? That, that's yeah. huge now. Do you have a big renewal experience that just stands out in the past eight years that, that you know, um, kind yeah. of makes an impact on your career? I mean, I'll give you a good and a bad one. So I've, uh, the first one was probably my worst, you know, losing a renewal out on a big pharmaceutical vaccine. So you dump a lot of hours into it. You think you've got really great results. You fly to Toronto, you're ready for the big meeting and the big meeting turns into a five minute conversation in a hallway that's a budget cut and we're sorry but we're not moving forward so that kind of shows you you know it doesn't matter how well you do sometimes things are kind of outside of your control yeah. a good a good example of that's probably one from Cozify when I signed on we work with a really large janitorial company uh, that's got you know a couple hundred offices throughout the states and the the account was just in a really tough position that the way they were set up with the product kind of wasn't where it needed to be. We spent four or five months working with their senior leadership to restructure the account, relaunch the training and just sort of reset our relationship. And that renewals turned into, I think our third largest one in the company's history. So from that perspective, that was a really big win because again, got to collaborate with some good senior leaders at that company, roped in some people from my team and kind of just restarted the relationship and used the renewal event as our opportunity to do that. So, mm -hmm. you know, two sides of the same coin there, one good, one bad, but um, those are two that definitely stick out for me. Well, that's good. It's good. I, I'm like, for me, the, you learn the most from the failures. Um, yeah, you smile on your face about it now, but, but at the time you probably were bummed out. But I think it's it, it toughens yeah. you out, and then you realize more pipeline, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's a tough call to make to your CEO when you fly out there for that renewal, and that that two hour meeting turns into a five minute call. It's uh... <laughs> and uh, but sometimes it goes in your favor, right? Sometimes it's five minutes. Like we'll just sign it. Budget's gonna exactly. It always seems to be the opposite, right? At first. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So, you know, talking about renewals, you know, at, at a Proposify, you know, what, what percentage of your annual forecast is comprised of upsells and is it part of your forecast? Like, are you communicating with your, your yeah. VP of sales? And, and I'd love to learn more about that because I think it's becoming more, you know, it's not just about the pipe, you know, I think it's, it's no longer about the funnel where it's just new customers, new customers, right? Like For sure. Renewal, LTV is, is huge and, and growth. Um, so yeah, what, what is it part of the forecast? And if it is, what, what percentage? Yeah, for sure. So we, we do forecast expansions. It's one of the numbers. My CS team, they're comped on expansion revenue each quarter. So it's definitely a focus for us. Uh, to make it simple, I mean, if we're going to make 10 new dollars, uh, about seven of those dollars are going to come from sales, new business, new logos, and about $3 of that 10 are going to come from CS. So that's how we look at it. I mean, with COVID, 
we've seen the total number that we're shooting for definitely slide down a bit, but those ratios have kind of remained true there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, as far as we're going right now, like we're looking at around a half million dollars for our team and expansion target for the year. So that's sort of how we look, I guess, at forecasting uh, new business versus expansion revenue there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, in, in order to become a, like to grow as a CX leader, um, you know, yeah. is, is it, is it important? Do you think to help customers with, with problems? Like, is it, are you finding that like being like customer support is, is leading the growth? Like, are, are you seeing that people that come with issues that are solved quickly then turn into growth opportunities? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, we, for us, one of the things we look at pretty intensely is what we call white space. So for us, just to give some context there, you've got two accounts paying you a hundred dollars a month. One of them has 50 employees. The other has 500. So that company with 500 employees for us would have more white space. So that's one of the ways we prioritize things for sure is we're looking at, you know, the most growth potential just from a user base standpoint there, but support for us, again, the way the product that we have, we've got a cloud-based editor that people are using inside of Salesforce to close deals. And if that's the the type of product you're using, like it's really important for us to have awesome live chat because, you know, you imagine your AE in there, they're trying to close a deal. They run into an issue with the software that's making it hard for them to get a proposal out or they don't know what mm-hmm. to do to get the next step done. Like it's super critical to have just in time product expertise that you can live chat with and you don't have to leave the app or anything. So for us, that's been almost a differentiator for us in the market is we've got a kick-ass team of customer success representatives that know our product inside and out, know our customers' workflows super well. So that's definitely been a catalyst for a lot of our expansions. Um, And then we do a lot of workflow development as well. So if you think about, you know, how companies are running their sales process, when they start working with us, they'll often be trying to make that sales process more efficient. So we have a lot of cross team as well. So SaaS is one of our big markets. We'll usually start with the sales team. That's how they get introduced to our company. But then it's not, you know, it's not uncommon for us to move to their customer success team because we're all the huge. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Renewals are huge. People want to pay for them more often, have some documentation behind it. So we're finding that that's been a really great growth avenue for us as well, as far as expansions go. And that again, ties back to support because when people have questions and it's like, if you're in word writing and you don't know how to do something, you wish that paperclip was there to give you the answer. We're that, you know, paperclip guy that people used to ask the questions of. So it's been, it's been super important for us. That makes sense. And you think, do you think customers now per, like prefer proactive communication or like you said, it's react, it's like very quick. Like I need it when I need it. Like you call them and they're maybe, bo- you know, yeah, yeah. Hey Connor, do you need any help with, with sending proposals or workflows? Like do they like being proactive? Are you guys proactive to those customers that have that white space growth opportunities or is it just like being really reactive on chat? Yeah. So it's, I think it's, it's like, I'll probably say this for a lot of our questions. It's a bit of both. So for us, like there's kind of, two things that we think about. One of them is just like, how long have they been a customer? We find that, you know, in the early days, a lot of our engagements are reactive. One, because we're still, we're learning about the customer. We're building data on what their usage trends are like. So that's what the information that we need to be super proactive and be really specific. So after a few months, we usually have enough information to start being a little bit more predictive and proactive from like a usage and an analytics standpoint. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we probably will never get away from that reactive you know when you need it we're there for you kind of in-app chat support just by yeah. because of the nature of our product so we find that like quick support resources and training that stuff is really great to be reactive on and we try to be proactive with like 
uh, feature betas, um, new things that we're in, that our development that our development team is working on that would be really helpful for a certain customer. We'll look at their usage, map that to the features that we have in our roadmap that need beta testers. That's a really good example of where we can add some value to a customer's day by giving them a feature early that we know might be helpful for them based on how they use the product. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how we split it out. But I would say both of them are important. They're just useful at different times in the customer journey and for different types of engagements. Makes sense. And what technology are you using for support is it yeah Endesk? is it what's is it a combination of a live chat tool what are you guys using over there yeah so we use a kind of a combo right now so our live chat runs through intercom that's also where our knowledge base sort of documentation lives right now we've also just started rolling out a tool called gainsight px so that's sort of our in-app uh click pass like tool tips. So when we launch a new feature that has any UI change or requires some users to take some more clicks in the app, we'll serve up like a, you know, a guide on how to use the feature and a little bit of in-app training. That's so, the product from Gainsight, the customer success company? Exactly. It is. Yeah. So that's a, a new product for them. So that's what we use. We, I call that like our one-to-many engagement center. So anything that's we're going to launch once and distribute to our 25,000 monthly active users is going to mm -hmm. run through there. So are you running support tickets through um, Intercom or... Yeah, so we have an integration with Jira and Intercom that we leverage. So we associate all of our Intercom conversations about a specific bug to the Jira ticket. And then when that Jira ticket ends up being closed, we'll have a notification run out to everyone linked to it to say, hey, bug's done. You know, if you have any other questions, let us know. But we're going to close this off because the ticket's fixed. So, so your, your product, uh, you know, Proposify, do you feel like it also provides a better customer experience for the customers that use it right like tell us more about yes. that you're obviously your product is an interaction point between sales and cx teams right and, and for exactly. my understanding, it gives people real life communication within documents um you would love to know more about what your customers are seeing you know from an actual cx perspective using your product for sure. Um, I mean, we take a lot of people, honestly, from Word documents and PDF and kind of bring them into the digital age, for lack of a better term. So, um, I mean, when our customers are sending out their proposals or their slide decks or their contracts, they're not just sending a static document. They're sending something that, you know, they can launch a Zoom meeting from. They can pop up an intercom or a drift chat on there. So it's a lot more of like a sales enablement tool than it is just a pure proposal play because we're giving you the ability to have a two-way conversation with your customer you're making live edits to the document while you're on a zoom call with them so it creates like a, a lot more cohesive collaborative experience and i think especially like we just had it did a survey with a lot of our customers trying to understand like how their business has changed with covid and one of the big changes is they're having a lot more Zoom calls earlier in their process, doing a little bit more discovery. So with our app, it makes that a little bit easier to do because you're putting the document in front of them. You're creating sort of like a collaborative space that you both can work off of when you're moving through the deal process. And then again, like we're working in a lot more video uh, the interactive pricing kind of is another level jump. And then our analytics are great too. So we tell customers when people are looking at certain sections. So if you send over an agreement to someone with three different options, spend an hour looking at option A and two minutes on option B and option C, it's a pretty high likelihood that option A has something interesting that you might want to reach out and talk to them about. So we've also been kind of, that's what a little bit of what our CSMs do too, is say, hey, you know, we're working with a massive amount of customers in a bunch of different industries. Some of them are doing really well here are some of the best practices your sales team might think about adopting or putting into their sales cycle and here's huh. how you can use our tool to make it happen
so so we're moving from like word documents now to like interactive you know proposals where is this going to go do you see a future that involves virtual reality or augmented reality or someone's actually popping up on a vr you know within the documents yeah, yeah. is any integrations on the rise for you guys that, that you, you want to talk about and let us know like what's what's in the works where's the yes. I, I think that it's going to, it's, it's, it's trending that way. I mean, I think it's going to depend on what you're selling and the volume. I think people that sell big, complicated deals, like I could see, you know, people having avatars and things, walk them through deals. I could definitely, whatever's going to make it easier to buy. And if that VR experience, I mean, if you're in an event space, I could see that happening. Like, here's what your venue is going to look like in reality, as opposed to just a 2d floor plan. So yeah. Yeah. I think there's uh, that I'm really interested to see what that looks like. We're kind of starting to dip our toe in with just the basic video integrations and things like that. But I'm, uh, I'm really excited about what's coming there because I think there's some companies that are doing some really cool things that we can combine with sales software to give buyers just a way cooler and a way more seamless experience as they move through that funnel. Yeah, I have a I have a podcast coming up with another chief customer officer as, as a company that actually does a virtual tour of a store. So it's like in the middle oh, between nice. e-commerce and a store where you can actually shop around and see where things are yeah. and pull things off the shelves, which is kind of interesting because it's bridging that gap between like on premise and it's like in the middle. Um, yeah, yeah. So that stuff just for me is exciting. Um, you know, how have you adopted to the current crisis? Like, have you have you guys moved from being more reactive to proactive customer success? Have you seen customers asking for price breaks? Have you seen some companies growing, or has it just been kind of yeah. flatline? What what have you seen going on? Oh, uh, we see. I mean, we've seen a lot from from our standpoint, business wise. I mean, we we are back above where we were pre COVID from revenue, so we definitely have customers that are doing really well and growing. Um, from the changes we made on the team, I mean, we shifted five of our more reactive CSRs and put them into a proactive cadence. So we looked at accounts that wouldn't typically have, you know, a person assigned to them. They're more writing in and getting that just in time support. We reached out to about four to 500 of those accounts and ran them through optimization calls. So those are our version of like a light QBR or EBR. So we have a framework that we build out with our CSMs to say, Hey, here's how you review an account in 15 minutes. Here's some quick wins on a, you know, a sort of a list that you should be giving to customers if they meet any of these criteria. So we kind of flipped some of our resources from that reactive piece because our chat volumes were down. I mean, we deal with between seven and 9,000 intercom chats a month and we've dropped down to four to five. So we had a little bit extra capacity there. So we said, hey, let's move some of our reactive resources, put them in a proactive sort of position. We'll arm them with a really simple template. They're already product experts, so they're going to be able to rock these calls anyways. It's just giving them some language to talk a little bit more along the lines of a CSM. Um, so we've done that. I mean, we have a lot of customers too in industries that have done well. So you talk about like cleaning, med tech, uh, SaaS companies, a lot of like security companies as well with people going home and working from home. Cybersecurity is definitely top of mind. So a lot of companies in those industries have done well. And then we've also been working with our event companies because we have a lot of them. Some of them have been super effective in pivoting online. They've moved their events to virtual. So you talk about doing, you know, virtual tours of stores. We have virtual event companies that are creating their experiences in these new ways. And then we have other companies that we're struggling a little bit more. So it's also been a lot of knowledge sharing that's been going on there too with the CS team is like, Hey, how is your business struggling? We see a bunch of different companies every day that are adapting a little bit different. Here are some tips that, you know, might be helpful for you to try and implement based on what we know about your business. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, so listen, I, I, before we wrap this up, this has been great, but you know, one last question for you. Um, yeah. Where does a, a chief customer officer go for, for his learning? Where, where, where are you going? Like, what's your number one resource is getting ahead of the curve and being up to date with like tools, technology, strategies? Like, what, do you have any recommendations? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I spend a decent amount of time checking out like the Gainsight blogs. They do a great job with content. They've been in the game for so long. They're, you know, hyper aware of all the trends and they, they set a lot of them. Um, I also spend a lot of time just reading, honestly, like sales and product blogs, um, reading things about the economy, trying to get a handle on, you know, where the world is moving. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it's oddly enough where my team and I are working on some CS resources as well. I think we're, we're going to kind of spin up a small little blog to, cause there, there, I don't really have a great answer for that question outside of that stuff. So underserved. it's an underserved market, right? It is. Yeah. It's like, it's a new thing. CS hasn't been, you know, a known uh, entity for that long. So yeah, there's not a ton of great blogs out there, but we're, we're going to start trying to push some content out because it's a lot of, you know, I want to see how other companies have tackled challenges like the ones I'm facing. And I'd love yeah. to know what their, you know, the context they have. So what's their MRR, what's their team shape like? Um, so we're going to pump a little bit out there, but I mean, I've always got to shout out Gainsight because they do a really great job and they've been super integral in helping us get the team structured and the tools in place. They did. They do. Well, this has been great, Connor. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. If, if any other young customer success leader or somebody on the rise wants to connect with you, pick your brain, talk about technology, talk about Proposify, how can they reach you? What's the best way for them to connect? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's C-O-N-O-R, uh, Cox, C-O-X. And then you can also send me an email if you want to. It's just Connor at Proposify.com. So either one of those should work. Well, Connor, I appreciate you joining the uh, Cloud9 podcast and uh, I look forward to seeing you guys continue your growth. And uh, I'm looking forward to some VR and AR interactive signing tools in the future. Me too, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's been great to chat. All right, man. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Cheers.